welcome back to another episode of Clear the Air. I am Tim, and I am smoking the Castagli Baliska A, and I'm going to enjoy it. Unfortunately, one of the hosts of this little shindig we do here right now could not make it because he's on a special assignment, so we're going to go straight to Nick. Nick, welcome back from your special assignment. How are you doing? <laughs> what are you smoking? What? Uh, what is my special assignment? <laughs> or what was my special so, assignment? I actually, yeah. So you haven't actually seen the last episode. You weren't there because you had a special assignment. I got you. I got you. Oh, look, James is back. What yeah. was going on with that, James? Well, first, Tim, I'm smoking the Basilica. Castagli cigar, the Basilica, a, not the Baliska. What did you, what did did you I call say it I there, Potomac? Yeah, you, no, you call it the Baliska. No, did I? I'll yeah, have to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're gonna, where's, the, where's the flag for the playback? <laughs> we're going to need that. Uh, that. And yeah, so I was in uh, Lyle, uh, which is part of Chicagoland area, uh, Lyle, Illinois, at the the Humidor Lyle. Great people there. Uh, and so we, uh, I had the uh, uh, on-location interview with Jeremy Castagli from Castagli Cigars. And so I said, Nick, that you weren't able to uh, join us in Chicago because you were on special assignment. And then I think I said something along the lines of, I'm not sure what the special assignment is, probably smoking cigars in Jersey. Yeah, but yeah. he's on special assignment nonetheless. Yeah, that's my special assignment. <laughs> I think Nick understood the assignment. Is that what the kids say today? I, I do it well. <laughs> So that's it that you just, uh, I mean, it's really a logistical thing, right? I mean, because uh, yes, you're, you're on the East coast, right. you're, you're calling in from the East coast. We're in the Midwest and we're, I mean, Chicago, Illinois, uh, and James went up to, uh, have an interview with, uh, Jeremy Castagli and I don't even know how we would pull that off. And we I know talked about it. We talked yeah. about it, trying to think about how, we would do it with the current system we use. It doesn't seem like it would be uh, not conducive to, no. to that type of interview. So no. I said, it sounds like I would be a third wheel piping in from somewhere else. Anyway, I said, you know, I'd love to, to be there, but uh, I think I'll just stay in Jersey and smoke cigars. One day Nick, <laughs> when we make it big, one day we'll be able to there just you go. fly you out for these interviews. It'll be great. There you go. Yeah, as long that- as long as it's private, yeah, I'm good. Oh, of course. Absolutely. <laughs> Why would it not be private, Jack? Well, of course. If you're going to be flying me out, that's the only way yeah. to go. That's right. <laughs> we got to get totally that right. big. We got to get that big for private jets. That's crazy. Or at least at least rent the jets, you know, the. Uh, oh, yeah. I think we could rent a jet for, for Nick. I don't think that'd yeah. be, you know, outside. the Look, Tim, we're going to make it big. We're going to make we're it gonna, big. It's all, it's all due to clear the air. It's not the, the actual podcast. <laughs> this one. This one. This show. <laughs> Well, I mean, I hope it happens. I mean, that's that's the goal. That's where we're going. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'd like to be able to take a private jet out to Vegas. Mm, Actually, I wouldn't. No, I'd just like to rent a tour bus. I'm not flying. Oh, yeah, that would be good. Could you imagine having a Simply Stogies tour bus? Oh, man, that'd be amazing. We could rent one. Yeah, yeah, we could go around, stop at shops, do shows like this, uh, do a bunch of, you know, we could stream it live on YouTube, uh, hint, oh. hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge what's what's coming up at the trade show later on, uh, next month. But yeah, I think, uh, it'd be fun. I think it'd be a, a good time. So look guys, uh, if you want to advertise with us, let us know, uh, info <laughs> no, at simply so, we get our private, so we can get our private jets and uh, tour private jet, baby. That's right. You know, a manufacturer, or if you are a manufacturer and you want to advertise with us, maybe you want to sponsor the tour bus of the private jet. Let us know. I'll take that. We'll let you wrap it. <laughs> yeah. We'll wrap, oh, there you go. Yeah, wrap it in whatever you want, baby. I don't care. It's I, I got to imagine that's got to be expensive. I know oh, yeah. Pete Johnson did it a couple of years ago, maybe more than once, but I actually saw him in Texas where he had this, you know, like rock band tour bus that he was taking around with his people and his stuff. It was cool. He took, gave me a tour of the bus and, and everything. And uh, they rented. I'm like, Oh, you know, Pete's a, uh, a rock bassist actually. Yeah. So, well, yeah. I think that would be so much fun to be able to just jump in a bus for a month and tour the country, stopping at lounges, doing different events. Tim, I would strangle you. I, well, <laughs> within like three days, you and yeah. I would be at each other's throat. You, you, no, I don't think so. We've spent no? a week together uh, at Vegas at the PCA. Don't say together. Show. That sounds oh, it was weird. Together. Oh, God. 
We've been doing this so long. <laughs> we have. We have. And we're going to be spending another week in Vegas next month. How long? How long? How long have we been doing this? I don't know. Too like, long. Uh, four four years? years. This will be yeah, yeah. four years this year uh, in February. It was four years. Um, yeah. And so this will be our third trade show altogether. That's crazy. Nick, how long have you been in the industry? Well, my first trade show was 2009 as a participant, as a retailer. Um, my first as a vendor was 2014 or 15. So, and I've been going to pretty much every one up until the last couple. You so know, you, so. You've been in for a hot minute. Yeah, a little while. I've, I've, <laughs> just, I've seen just a little changes. while. Yeah. A lot more than four years. I just think it's interesting because uh, I didn't realize that Jeremy had been in the industry for 26 years, even though he says 25 because it sounds cooler. And it does. Right, right. You know, uh, was that something that I assume, James, you already knew that. I did. I did. Well, I, look, this wasn't the first interview that I had with no. him. I had an interview with him in 2019, again, in the Chicago land area, in Chicago proper this time. Uh, it was at the, the Clayton in Chicago. And we, I, I sat down with him and I, that's where I got, <clears throat> excuse me, really his background, how he started in, in the industry. Uh, and, and so I knew all of that background stuff, how he started with, and you know, he and Nick run in kind of the same circles because he's cut his teeth on Cuban cigars as well. Right. Uh, and in fact, uh, you know, he was, he was, uh, importing Cuban cigars, uh, into London, uh, for quite a few years and, and, and doing that. And, uh, Castagli, you know, made a name for themselves, uh, doing that for a few years. Uh, and then, you know, he was, you know, rolling for princes and whatnot. And now he's, uh, Castagli cigars. I mean, it was bespoke for a while. Uh, they had to change that about 2018, 2019, they really had a rebrand. And now here again in 2023, they're kind of really starting from the, uh, from the ground up, uh, once the again. The funny thing for me is that I've known of him for it seems like forever. First time I think his name was was mentioned to me was we had a friend. His name was Mike Murphy, and Mike Murphy unfortunately passed away a couple of years ago. And he was calling me. We had met. I met Mike back in in Nicaragua at some point, and he was starting his own brand, and it was called Bella Terra, and he was out of uh, Tennessee. He had a uh, um winery and he was going to match it to cigars and he was a cigar aficionado and he was calling me all excited that he had been working with um uh, uh, uh henke kellner jr and he was telling me the group of people he was down there and one of the person's name was was jeremy and he's like oh yeah and i met jeremy and then he met a good friend of mine named um, toby brockenhurst who lives in cuba he's he's a brit that runs tours and stuff. I'm sure that Jeremy knows him. Um, and so all these people kind of knew each other. And then of course, you know, my old partner in the lounges, you know, Omar, and he's always, Oh, you got to meet Jeremy. And then, you know, we, we make cigars at uh, tobaccos of Costa Rica for Jeremy. Um, so he's, you know, we, it's funny how we've never met, you know, but, uh, yeah, yeah I've because known you guys do, for a long you really time. run in, in, in the same, in very, circles. very similar circles. Yeah. yeah. Cuba, Saudi Arabia, uh, London, you know, Europe. and that's a small crowd. I mean, that's, I mean, this is a small industry anyway, right. and everybody knows everybody and it's all a little incestuous to begin with, but you guys, <laughs> like you really, that's an even smaller group, uh, of folks that run in, in the, in that, you know, the Saudi middle East kind of area. Uh, yeah, when it's, it comes to it's a very, it's a very unique story. Uh, you know, I, I'm not the only guy clearly, uh, but <laughs> it's it's a unique story you know there's not that many people that actually import cigars or have their cigars brought into saudi arabia through one source or another it's not an easy thing to do or do through the years it's been everything we've done getting cigars out of cuba has always been problematic getting cigars into saudi arabia and these other countries have been problematic so you have to really like what you do and figure it out 
And um, I enjoy the figuring out part of things. I do really enjoy that part of the business as well. So it's an interesting story. It's a little different. You know, I'm not uh, of Latin descent and I didn't, I'm not sixth generation uh, making cigars. And so, uh, you know, but what's cool now about the industry is there are so many different stories out there and everybody's got their story. And it's interesting to hear everybody's journey in the cigar world. Yeah. And Jeremy has a lot of stories. A lot of them. And when you have that, yeah. And when you have that many stories, like, you know, I feel like if you would tell them there would be slip ups, there would be mistakes, there would be things that you don't remember uh, right or then. And now you remember now, but his stories, like he knows them. It's like he was, it's, it's like he was there. Well, a little, let me give you a little, let me give you a little secret. Okay. The, the, I have, I'm, I consider myself a storyteller as well. You are. And the more mm-hmm. times you tell the story, you don't forget it. It becomes embedded in your brain. You know, whether you create some, some details along the way or not, uh, but you remember it better than the first time you told it. Because the first time you're telling it is from memory. The second time you're telling it is from the first time you retold it. And if you keep retelling it, you remember it better and better each time. So there's, there's a little, there's a little secret there. So you don't forget uh, the stories. Yeah. And it's not that he's a storyteller in the sense of he's telling stories. It's that he can, he tells a story well. Oh, right? he does. Just like Nick does. They they both tell a story well. Uh, and well, it, it, it I, makes people gravitate towards them. And they, you know, <clears throat> because you've got a, a great voice and you've got that, both of you have that media training. You know, and, and it for him, I think it goes beyond that. Because when he had to change the name from Bespoke and they decided on Castagli, which is his last name, I think it becomes much more personal for him. Uh, and, and in fact, this new line that's coming out in uh, at the trade show, the Napoleonic line, is the first line that he's done, even when it was bespoke, that doesn't really have, you know, his story attached to it. He's telling other people's stories now from the past. So what he tells it, them, like, I mean, it, it draws you in. And Nick, I haven't yeah. heard many of your stories. So I'm looking forward to the trade show and us working together because I want to hear all the stories. Well... Everybody's got a story. Rick Rodriguez is another storyteller. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yes. yeah. And, and and I think the most charismatic people in the industry are able to tell a tale. I'm not claiming I'm one of those people. I'm just saying if you can get people in the mindset, bring them to a certain place. Um, and also they get the personal connection with the person, the face of the brand. You know, the funny thing I just thought about with Jeremy is Knowing his background, I have a funny feeling if we did 23 and me, we're probably related <laughs> somewhere. And, and I say it half jokingly, even though I don't think he claims to be Greek, I have a feeling he's part Greek somewhere down the line. You think? You know, I do. I do. Maybe. I'm going to ask that. I, I that's the first it. question. That's the first question I'm going to ask him because I somehow think he is. I really do. That would be, I should have told you to ask him that question. Ah. I think his ancestry somewhere down the line, you know, hey, listen, we were all Greek at one point, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, no, I think he, uh, I think he definitely has some, some lineage there. Interesting to find out. I know his, his recent history. And I mean, you know, the, the 20th, uh, 20th century is all, you know, Britain, UK. Um, but Estonia, yeah, he might, he lived in yeah, Estonia I mean, for, Oh, that's where he's at now. He moved to Estonia quite a, I don't want to, because he told us on the uh, cut and light, the Oxford cigar cut and light uh, this last weekend. And I'm trying to remember what he had said, but he moved there uh, before he got married. Uh, and he, he met his wife, Trina there. And um, <clears throat> he loves Estonia now. I mean, you know, he moved there and it's uh, just historic and beautiful. And, you know, he mentioned how beautiful the women are there as well. Uh, <laughs> especially the waitresses, especially the waitresses. If you were, if you missed that cut and light with Oxford cigar company, you missed, you missed a good time. It was four yeah. hours of, of smoking with Jeremy, uh, and letting other people kind of, you know, pick his brain and, and listen to the stories firsthand, uh, and kind of really get to know where he's at and where he's going, where the brand's at and where the brand's going. So it was a good time. 
It was a great time. I don't think that I showed up until after the first cigar because was it three cigars? I believe is what they smoked during that event. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I showed three, up three right there around the second cigar. Um, so it was nice to uh, actually look through the video later. I was like, oh, that's what I missed. So who yeah. knows what's going to happen with that? That's neither here nor there. Now I, I do want to talk about the uh, the set for the video. So if you're yeah. if you are the one who listens to this, you're missing out because everything that we do, we also do video. That episode, it was very, very nice. It looked gorgeous, but it almost looked like a cigar infomercial. Yeah. Okay. Look, look, <laughs> look. I mean, so, it was good. It was so good. This I is, was just like, hmm, okay. I, I mean, I don't even want to talk to you, Tim. I want to talk to the audience for a second because you could just fuck right <laughs> off. Uh, but the, for the audience, like, look, setting this up for the first time on location, like we switched to video in what, February? So we, yeah, we do audio and video. Ago, yeah. If you're not watching this on YouTube or Rumble, like you're doing yourself a disservice because then you can just make fun of the way I look the whole fucking time instead of, you know, listening to my sultry tones, my dulcet tones. Uh, so it, it was difficult to kind of, because I didn't take the lights. So I have studio lights here. Like I could turn them off for you now and you would see, but no. So it was low lighting at, at, Your at the makeup at, doesn't shine through with the no, lights the, off. No, the makeup doesn't shine through at all. And this is 4K. We dumb it down in in Rumble and, and YouTube because most people don't play it in 4K anyway. So what's the point? Right. Um, and so it was lower light. So it wasn't the greatest quality because the camera can only do so much in low light. Uh, and we turned the lights up as much as we could. And we were right under a couple of lights. And uh, to be honest, my phone did a much better job. Uh, at the video than uh, than the camera did uh, until I played it back for some reason. If you still it, it looks fantastic. But for whatever, it, so it was the first time setting this up on location. Next time I'll t- bring two of the same cameras uh, and then trying to figure out the audio was a giant pain in the dick. Uh, but we got it figured out and, and that was really the most important part, but yeah, it was, it was a lot of setup and the guys at, at, uh, uh, the humidor Lyle, uh, um, Isam and I think Frank is his name. Uh, they fantastic job. Like those guys were very helpful. If you're ever in the Lyle area in the Chicagoland area, take the trip to Lyle, go to the humidor Lyle. It's an awesome place. And they they opened what is uh, the Castagli room. It's a themed Castagli room. And they've got wallpaper up that is the same type of wallpaper that was at the uh, um, at the embassy in uh, Cairo that his family owned. And that's there's a lot of history there. Uh, a lot of World War II plans were drawn up at that embassy. Uh, and, and, and so, you know, it, <clears throat> I think there's a, plan he said to make it a bread and breakfast at some point in the near future but like it was burned out during the arab spring right. uh but the, the the wallpaper's there and and you can see that on i wish i would have brought the cutter over but there's the castagli cutter uh it's the 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 swans the two swans together yeah it's, it's i just, think they use it as a like a background on their website even yeah. like it's a lot of filler image uses that yeah. And it's orange and green and bright and beautiful. And so they've got some of that wallpaper up. And I was talking to, uh, <laughs> I was talking to, to, to Isa, maybe I, I don't remember which one I was talking to They're brothers who own the place. And he was like, I go, you know, that wallpaper is gorgeous. I'd love to like, where did you get that done? He told me, I was like, all right, I'm going to look into it. He goes, well, you should know that wallpaper cost us X amount of dollars. And I went, Oh, I don't, I don't think I want it anymore. Thank you, though. I like. I really appreciate you. Let me know how I can get that done. You just kind of start laughing. Yeah, but if we can ever rent a tour bus, I mean, <laughs> look, if you want a Stagley wallpaper behind me, I'm all for it. But it's going to be a few thousand dollars, and by few, I mean more than five. More that's than crazy. Five. Like it's north of five to get custom wallpaper done. I didn't know that was a thing, but apparently that's a thing. <laughs> I mean, um, does so- that include uh, having it installed? put on no that's just getting it made oh wow wow they put it all up themselves and the room's not quite done yet uh they're sending ashtrays over they're doing all kinds of stuff and the, it's going to be a whole i think the whole lounge is going to be because stagly theme and they're they're uh doing a grand reopening in november that jeremy's coming uh, uh back over to the states for so i'll be there uh to check it out but the room's gorgeous fireplace 
Um, and then it, where there's not wallpaper, it's this beautiful castagli green is what I'll call it. Uh, with texture on the wall. It's just a gorgeous place. And it used to be their quiet room. <clears throat> no TVs, like no music, no nothing. You can go in there and you can, you know, put your headphones in and watch on your laptop or whatever. Or you can just sit there in silence, read a book, whatever it is you want to do while you smoke a cigar. That's like their quiet room. And it's just absolutely gorgeous. And the humidor itself, if we can, if I could just switch to that for a second. I, there's going to be a full review coming out soon uh on on the uh, website simplystogies.com so so watch for that it's just the the they have everything everything they have every castagli known to man they've got warp the only thing they didn't have is lh and they should probably carry lh but yeah, they what's had, up with that right but they literally had everything else davidoff padrone cohiba like all of your usual suspects but they carried the entire line of warped cigars the entire line of castagli cigars they had Roma craft. They had literally everything. So from boutique to, to mainstream, everything in between. Uh, and like I said, those guys are just awesome. Tell Isam I said hi. Tell you know, tell him I sent you. Uh, and they'll they'll take care of you. They were they were really great. I bought a box of which you can see it right there. Yep, right there. I'm that gonna white purposely box. like zoom in so far that you can't see right it's there. Such a dick. Uh, that white box there in the humidor. I bought a box of the Castagli Specialist, which is a Cigar that is special to uh, the lounges that that will carry them. And uh, it, like I had Jeremy sign the box. Uh, he was more than gracious. And then, you know, the, 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 the lounge was just fantastic. I can't, I can't say enough about it. When you're in Chicagoland area, go check it out. But yeah, it was fun. But it was it, setting up and trying to just the logistics of it. Like I'm not the best at setting up video. If you go back and watch like the mild Kentucky Herf stuff. It's not the best. It's not the worst, but it's not the best. And if I had a camera guy who was, because my focus has always been on asking questions, right? I asked questions to Nick when, when, when Nick was guest, you know, and now that, that Nick and I can kind of tag team, so to speak, uh, you know, it makes it a little easier on me, but I'm still not the camera guy. Like Tim's the camera guy. Randy's the camera guy, you know, uh, the Hobbit is Bruce is the, uh, is the camera guy. I'm not the camera guy. I don't know what looks good and trying to set it up and then kind of see where I'm going to be and see where he's at. It's a logistical nightmare when it's one person. Well, and that's what I was going to say. Yeah, Trying to take all of the equipment. Like I was not going to break down these studio lights and take the studio lights. It just wasn't going to do it, you know? So it's, yeah, it's a logistical nightmare. Uh, and I can't wait for the trade show when I have to worry about absolutely none of that. Right. Yeah. I mean, when you're just one person, even myself, when I went up north to Livermore to Smoldering Cigar and, you know, I actually brought a friend and uh, the whole goal was to have him help. And uh, I didn't really let him help because uh, he was just more interested in like going on a little excursion and, and having some cigars. So yeah, whatever. But yeah, I did notice that it is so much more of a pain in the rear when you're the guy that's got to lug all the equipment. You got to set it all up. Then you got to do the interview. Hopefully everything's right and tear it down. And I mean, it, it's, it's, it's quite funny a task. To me, and Nick can speak to this probably better than, than either yourself or myself could Tim is, is that doing a podcast at, at a rem even coming close to a remotely high level, which I'm not saying we do, but coming close to a remotely high level, is hard and it's not just let's sit down and, and talk for half an hour. It is, there's a lot of, of video editing. There's a lot of prep that goes into, okay, where are the cameras? What's the background look like? You know, what's the sound going to look like? Um, you what know, is the sound going to look like? Or what's the sound going to sound like? Like, what's that going to be? <laughs> what's, what are the lights going to look like? What's the lighting going to be? And, and so there's a lot that goes into it. And at the trade show, like for example, we've made a conscious decision to not worry about lighting because it's pretty bright. It's not like it's a lounge. It's pretty bright. Everything looks okay. And so now this year, I know, I think we've talked about it before. We're taking three rigs. They're all going to be the same setup and we're going to kick some ass and we're going to be able to hopefully bring some production value. We're going to up the production value a little bit with different angles on some interviews, especially with maybe some of the uh, uh, bigger guys, uh, the more um, well-known guys in the industry. Uh, and so I'm looking forward to that. But yeah, when you do it on your own, man, 
<laughs> like Jesus Christ. Like it's bad enough, you know, having to go through and edit like the video or edit the audio, which is video is a hundred times harder to do than the audio. See, but, I'm, I'm the opposite. I enjoy the video. I hate the audio. I've been doing audio for so long. I, I could do it in 10 minutes in my fucking sleep. <laughs> right. So. And I think half the time you do. <laughs> Nick, what's your experience with it? Well, I, I was on a radio show, not a podcast, even though I've done a lot of different podcasts prior. Uh, and there is a lot to be done in, in the setup. We had all other issues to to worry about the actual broadcasting part of it, uh, getting it through the equipment that that we it, it was a, doing remotes were a definite stress. And I was supposed to be the quote talent, you know, the, the personality. But I was helping out as because I'm a tech guy. I love tech to to make sure all that stuff got done, too. So there's a lot to do, you know, and the biggest part, I think, of the show is the post. I mean, you could spend I know that I don't want to get involved in it because I am very, very fastidious and I like small details and I'll spend three hours on, you know, a 20 second clip that, and I just don't want to go down that rabbit hole. Cause I know what I'm capable of doing, which is getting lost. Uh, and I just don't want to worry about that right now. <laughs> so I'm just, it's all about me. It's all about me. <laughs> so, so I'll let you guys do that. But even though I do enjoy that part, I'm sure I'll help out as much as I can on that side of the the fence as well. No, don't don't offer that, Dick. Don't you do that to yourself? Because oh, I'll, I'll be like, hell yeah, Dick. Here, take this. You edit this. <laughs> don't, do, don't do it. Don't do it, brother. Okay, maybe we'll, we'll, we'll be <laughs> sitting in the uh, hotel room afterwards uh, and, and looking through the video and up. Oh, stop. Nope. Back. Nope. Stop. Yeah, not going to do it. Yeah, it, it is a pain. Nick's right. It is a pain in the ass. It is because you do. You want it to sound as good as possible. And then how, like you can get into the minutia of it. Like, do you take out all the ums? Do you take out all the coughs? Do you take out? What do you take out? What do you leave in? Because you don't want it to sound overly produced or fake, right? Right. So you, it, it's it's a little hard to know uh, what to do. And anymore, because I used to do that. I used to slave over that. Like, what do I take out? What do I not and anymore? Like, I just leave it all in. I think it feels more, it sounds more organic. I think it looks more organic when, when a lot of this is left in. And for those of you at home uh, playing the game at home, like this comes out tomorrow. We're recording like on the uh, 7th of June and this comes out on the 8th of June. So well, uh, now I have no choice, but to edit gonna, this tonight, <laughs> it's going to be very organic, very organic. Yeah. This time. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, it is. Yeah. It's going to be uh I wouldn't say a rush job, but it's going to be a rush job. I am going to say it's going to be a rush job. Ah, that's all right. That's I mean, it, it is what it is. It'll Dude, be we've great. We've all been so busy. Yeah. Right. So busy. So, uh, you know, the next episode that you guys uh, are going to see is the, the episode with uh, Cigar Coop, William Cooper. And I think Nick and I had a great time with that episode. And that comes out July 15th. It's the, you know, we're ramping up to the trade show and we're kind of starting it, I guess, with this episode a little bit, because we're talking about that a lot. Um, July fifteenth or June fifteenth. I'm sorry, Jesus. Okay. Oh, to nice catch. Time. Yeah, that was a nice catch. June fifteenth, that'll come out, uh, and then July first, we'll have Greg Free on, uh, and then in between there, there's another, there's another couple of uh, clear the airs that we're going to try to do. We're going to try to knock out the Greg Free clear the air before we go to Vegas. We're going to knock out the William Cooper one next week. Um, and, and that was a great interview. I'm looking forward to that. So it's just a lot. I mean, there's a lot. We've been so busy trying to set up interviews with folks, get the advertising going, uh, prep for the PCA. I, Tim came up uh, and like, I think we're good on equipment. I think we're good. Yeah, on that everything. was a fun day. That was, was a fun day. Yeah, it was because we actually, for the first time, because like you said earlier, this is our third year going to the trade show. And the two years prior, we have said we need to go through everything. We need to cross our T's, dot our I's. And this year we actually took a day and we dedicated it to going through all of our equipment, making sure that everything was working, making sure that we're going to hook this up this way and we're, we're set. And we had to, I think we had to order a few extra pieces, but I think we're set. From your mouth to God's ears. So, you don't oh. think so? I don't know, man. I don't know. There's always something like we're talking to Coop and we'll get into this in the next episode, the next clear of the air in, in a couple of weeks. But yeah, I mean, you know, there's always something, there's always something that goes wrong. 
but yeah, like I think we're good. I think we are. I think we're all right. You just gotta roll, man. Just gotta roll. Yeah. roll and you gotta be punches. prepared to roll with the punches, right? You gotta be. Yeah. You gotta be flexible. You gotta be adaptable. All, all of that kind of stuff, and that kind of goes back to the whole, um, you know, interview with Jeremy at, at the at the Humidor Lyle. Is I had to be flexible and be like, okay, so this is only gonna work this way. This is only gonna work this way. It's not the best. It is what it is. Set it up, and we're gonna go. Because here's the thing. When you do on location stuff, you're on a time crunch because it's typically you're at a lounge. Whoever you're interviewing has an event. They're there for a very specific reason. And they have carved out a finite amount of time for you and your questions uh, to sit down and answer them for you. And so you really are under a time crunch. And so you've got to prepare for that beforehand and know, okay, so I'm going to have, <clears throat> excuse me, 45 minutes to an hour. With, with whoever did, Jeremy this time. It was 45 minutes to an hour. And I think I put it right at about 50 minutes, 55 minutes <clears throat> after editing. Jesus Christ, there's something wrong with my voice. Uh, after editing, I think it was close to 50 minutes. Um, and, and it was a good conversation. And we kept it tight, which is kind of what you want to do. We weren't loosey-goosey all over the place, kind of like we are with this show. It was, it was, very, it was a very focused uh, interview. Uh, but we did talk about a lot of topics. I, I, I enjoyed being able to talk to him about the PCA, about the uh, about the industry as a whole, and kind of what he sees and how he sees it, uh, and finding out all the new stuff. They just opened up a warehouse in Naples, Florida, uh, to help with dis, uh, U.S. distribution because the U.S. by a vast majority uh, consumes the most cigars around the world. Uh, and so to kind of help with that, they've got a warehouse now in Naples. They just hired a, a new uh, uh, distributor. They hired a salesperson. I got to meet her, Tamara. She's a lovely lady, um, you know, and so I can't wait to uh, kind of see her out in the field doing her thing, uh, going to events, you know, because with Jeremy in Estonia, it's kind of hard. You know, they just they had Vlada before and he did a great job for him. And, and Jeremy said so. And so they're going through this transition now where like they really are starting from scratch. And so he's brought in Graham and uh, Tamara to kind of, you know, spearhead that while he's in Estonia. And I think they're doing a great job. So we'll see, uh, see how they grow, you know? And I, I, I think I even asked him, um, it was after, it was actually after the interview. I asked him, I said, you know, you, you talk about boutique as fuck. And we talked about this at the, at the cut line, but I asked him yeah. after while we were sitting there at Lyle, I said, you know, when I sat down with you in 2019, you were producing 250,000 cigars a year. And that was it. How many are you producing now? He's like 300,000. I'm like, wait, wait. I'm like, you have like X amount of new lines that you brought out. You brought out the Villa Castagli line since then. You've expanded the Daughters of the Wind line. You have created the Cypher line. And you're only 50,000 more cigars every year than you were. And he's like, yeah. He's like, we're, we're starting over. He's like, we're literally starting over. We're like, we're still boutique as fuck. Yeah. Cause what did he say? Uh, I, I think it was like plus 500,000 is where kind of that line of going from boutique as fuck to boutique. <laughs> yeah. I think it was something like, I, I, you know, and I think Nick might be able to speak to that a little bit better than you or I could Nick. Where, where, where's that oh, line? Yeah. The lines are ever blurring and it's a who you ask, uh, especially retailers. It always cracks me up where I've gone into retailers and they'll say, yeah, I carry boutique. Uh, who do you carry? Uh, AJ Fernandez. I go, <laughs> AJ Fernandez is boutique. You know, and they're like, yeah, what do you, what do you think? And I'm like, listen, I think once you get past, you know, a thousand retailers, I think, you know, is it still boutique? I don't know. Probably I mean, not. You know, but everybody's concept and everybody's idea, even the word itself, boutique, what the meaning is, you know, now you got forged, you know, that, that are taking, you know, everybody wants to jump in with this boutique because it's fashionable right now yeah. even for the big players to use that word, you know, and it depends on what it means. I think most people's idea of boutique means that you care about it and that you're putting you know, that extra love and touch into the cigars. And it's not something that's a mass produced product, but quality over the, quantity. 
Exactly. But even so, even if you produce a lot of cigars, if you put the same level, you know, if as long as you keep your your parameters correct and everything, there's no reason why you can't keep ramping it up. And keep, it's harder. There's no question about it. But if you put the same level of attention on a smaller level and just keep scaling that up, there's, you know, you know, there's always uh, growth pains. And I'm going through some of those right now. These last couple of months, it's been it's been difficult. I I don't like telling people, no, I don't have anything right now. Give me, you know, I've never been in that position, but uh, you know, the way the market is, the way the world is, and people are smoking more cigars, the United States in general, I was just having a conversation today with, with someone for the economy to be what it is with, you know, inflation being what it is, but it just seems like People have a lot of disposable income and people are buying more and more expensive cigars and more of them, you know? And it's just like, wow, like it's funny to see, but you know, so I always crack up, you know, the, the price of everything has gone up, yeah. but yet it really hasn't deterred much in any of these industries. I mean, you know, maybe right now we're starting to see a little lull in some of the areas of the, of the world economy, but for the most part, it amazes me how much, the level of the middle class and upper class just keep getting bigger and bigger, uh, bigger, you know? So I don't know. It was, you know, I, I talked to Jeremy about that a little bit and he said, I wouldn't, he's like, the boom might be over. He goes, but you have to think about it. We were going up on this trajectory for the last couple of years and it hasn't come down. It may have plateaued, but it's I not agree. coming down. No, so, I agree. You know, and I said, you know, I find it interesting because I, I can't tell you the amount of people that I have talked to over the last couple of months who have said, oh, yeah, I smoke cigars. I've smoked them on and off for like 20 years. I'm like, what do you mean on and off for 20 years? Oh, I'll smoke for a couple of years. I'll stop for a few years. I'll smoke for a couple of years. I'll stop for a few years. So it's a it's a very weird hobby. And I guess most hobbies are like this. You get into the hobby. You get all excited about it. You jump in. Right. You dive in head first you're in it for a little bit, you get bored, you move on to something else, but then you yeah, come back to it a little bit later on, you jump back in both feet. And so it's a weird, it's a weird thing. Um, and especially with, with the economy, the way it is, like, I'll be honest, Nick, I, I, again, this will shock everyone at home, but I am not the most positive of people at times. Say it ain't uh, so. <clears throat> say it ain't so, Sam. Uh, it's, uh, I, I have a very pessimistic outlook on the industry. Uh, in the next uh, five to 10 years based on what the economy is doing uh, and the direction the com- uh, the country's going, uh, the direction the world economy is going. Like I have a very pessimistic outlook and I'm very afraid that some of these boutique companies, these small mom and pop uh, cigar manufacturers, so to speak, are going to be out of business in the next five to 10 years because there's just not going to be enough of that pie to go around anymore. You know, I don't feel that way. I think that there will be a lot of people that will go out of business, but they would go out of business regardless of the economy. I just did an event last night and I was blown away. It's, it was a beautiful shop. Uh, it's a private lounge and open. It was right on the water. The, the name of the shop is called Havana on the Hudson. So it's literally right across from where the ferry is in Weehawken, New Jersey. And, you know, I was selling my cigars. It was a manufacturer of uh, some fine tequilas and some liquor companies where they're representing as well. And it was like, people were buying. I, I couldn't believe how much. And I'm like, this is amazing. I find out that that night, for instance, just to enter into the lounge, the minimum purchase necessary. And that's only because it wasn't the weekend was $50. So you walk in there, you got to buy $50 worth of cigars. I was selling so many cigars. I'm like, well, this is a lot easier than I thought it would be. You know, it was like, <laughs> and I was like, people were just buying. I'm like, what is going on? You know? And, um, you know, if you even begin to see what some of these fees are for these private clubs and memberships, they're off the charts. So I've never seen it at the level that it's been in these last couple of years, when things are supposed to be the tightest, when people are supposedly feeling the biggest crunch with, with the economy being what it is in the cigar world, I just keep seeing the price of cigars. I'm having the exact opposite effect where normally I've always tried to keep uh, the, the LH cigars at the right price, the lowest I could possibly, which is the exact opposite effect of what I was doing with Saudi Arabia, because Saudi Arabia, you know, it wasn't the money was the issue. They just wanted what they wanted, the right stuff, 
you know, for them. In the United States, it was all about price points, at least when I entered the market. So coming from Costa Rica, where everything is more expensive, it was more important for me to try to keep it at that right price point. Now, it's somewhat hurt me because they'll look at it and they go, oh, you're, it's only a $13 cigar. I go, what? Only a $13 cigar? What? You know, if I, oh, I'm sorry, did I say 13? I meant $26. Oh, okay. Then it's got, I, and I'm not, I kid you not. I've literally played these tricks or games with, with uh, customers and they'll, how much is that cigar? Oh, my cigar is $15. Oh, okay. Do you have anything else? Okay. Yeah. I got this cigar over here. It's $35. Oh, let me try that one. And then after they smoke it, I go, oh, by the way, that was $15. <laughs> what? And and they'll literally say, oh, 35, this this smokes like a $50 cigar. What 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 is a $50 cigar? But this is the logic of people today. The more expensive it is, oh my God, it's got to mean it's better. And it goes against what I believe in in the sense that to me it's all about the cigar. You know, you shouldn't smoke a cigar based on the band, based on all the marketing that goes behind it, even though that's the way of the world. But I'm against the grain with that stuff. But now the pricing, it's like I don't want to raise my my prices, but I've noticed that a lot of my retailers have raised the price because, you know, I'm not in every shop on every corner. So literally there'll be, you know, I know you don't believe that. What was that? The garage door? <laughs> can you, can you edit that out, Tim? Can you, can you get that? No, we're not editing at all. That's amazing. I thought you dropped a tray of dishes or something. Was either, we can say did it. you drop some water or some whiskey or something on you? What'd you do over there? Uh, no. Edward Scissorhands? Well, like what you were saying, Nick, uh, about about price, you know, I think Jeremy talked about that a little bit. He touched on it. And, yeah, the cost of cigars are going up. And, you know, and he's feeling that as well. Uh, and, and, you know, he's trying not. But like, So, for example, this box here, that's a $30 cigar in there. There's 10 of them in there. You do the math. Like if they're, it's not a cheap cigar, but they don't. He talked a little bit about this, I think, on the cut and light, maybe not on the podcast, but maybe it was both. Yeah, I remember said, it on the cut and light, but not where, on the podcast where, where he said when they went into, I think it was the a shop in Beirut. Uh, when he was there, they took away 30% of sales or more of Davidoff. Like from Davidoff, Davidoff sales went down because Stagley sales went up. And mm. so that's, I mean, when you play in that price range, that's who you're competing against. You're competing against the Davidoffs, the Padrones, the El Septimos like those ultra premium brands and Castagli, in my opinion, is an ultra premium uh, brand for the most part. They do have, I still think they're fit. My, my, one of my favorite cigars from them is the uh, pony, which is a little Robusto daughter of the winds line. Uh, and he said that they, they're going to try to bring that back to the States. It's actually only in Ireland right now for some reason. And uh, he said that, uh, you know, he doesn't see why they couldn't bring that back to the States. It's such a great cigar. It was like a sub $10 price point a few years ago. So it's probably over $10 by now, but not, not by much. Uh, and, and so people, you're not wrong. People do see that price. They go, oh, price must mean quality. No, not all the time. Not all the time. Like, I don't, I, I try not to disparage brands here that don't rhyme with burka. <laughs> I was just going to say, when you, when you come out of the, out of the gate, <laughs> where every one of your cigars is 150 bucks. Well, no wonder they're always on sale for 699. For I, I, look, I've smoked a lot of cigars that are expensive, okay? Like $50 and above. And even the $100 cigars, they're always one note because it's like they just want to pack that expensive tobacco in it, right? And so it's just one note. There's no complexity, there's hardly any nuance. It's just and, and so you know, Saka, I love you, but the unicorn, one note, hundred dollar cigar, one note. Davidoff, I I love a good Davidoff, like the 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 uh, late hour, great cigar. Uh, the Churchill White Labels, great cigar. I've smoked their the Royal line, the Robusto and the Salomo. Like one note, like it's not bad, it's it's good, but is it worth a hundred dollars? No. So when you're out there, you know, folks, and you are looking at a humidor, if you're shopping by price, like you're doing it wrong. And if you're shopping by brand, I get it. I get that. Like Tim's a Crownhead fanboy. I'm a Castagli fanboy. If I see Castagli in a lounge. I used to be. I, I had to switch. <laughs> you know, or if I see LH, I'm buying it. 
I'm buying LH. I'm buying Castagli. I'll buy Davidoff. I'll buy Padron. I'm not saying they're not great cigars, but if you are like, if you're just solely looking at that price tag going, oh, this is a hundred dollar cigar. And you're like, hmm, I'm going to waggle this in front of my friends. That's what they call it. Waggle cigars. I've never understood that, but you waggle it in front of all your friends. Look at what I'm smoking, boys. What are you smoking? <laughs> I've got this Byron Anatomy, which are great cigars, but they're $40, $50 a pop. If that's what you're, if that is solely what you want to do, like, I guess more power to you, but you're missing out on so many other great cigars. Like not every Castagli cigar is a $30 cigar. Not, not every great cigar is a $30 cigar. Nick, what are yours at? 15 bucks, 10 bucks, 12 bucks, somewhere around in there. Yeah. Sub yeah. 20. So definitely sub 20. And yeah. they're great cigars. I've said, and I, I mean this with all my heart. It should be in every lounge in America. They're that good. I don't and know I'm if not, he could get enough tobacco for that. Well, right. <laughs> I'm getting there. <laughs> um, I'm so, in. yeah, it, it just don't shop by price. Ask your friends what they smoke. Ask your friends what they like. Ask your tobacconist. Ask, ask your B&M. Like that's, and look, if you are going to a lounge and LH isn't in your lounge, ask them to bring LH in. Ask them to reach out to Nick. Like it's not hard. Nope. My wife says I make myself too accessible, you know, and, and I always say, look, when you have your own business, it's what I do. You know, she's a corporate person. She's nine to five. That phone rings after five o'clock. She's not answering it. She's not texting. It's nine to five. I've never been a nine to five guy in, in whatever business, you know, if I'm up, it's four in the morning and somebody from whatever country is texting me, I'm texting back. People go, Nick, do you ever sleep? I go, I don't know. I just have varied hours, I guess. You know, I guess I get a bare minimum in, but Take a it's, how I, again. it's how I uh, operate. You know, I, I try to get in my, my beauty rest, but I sleep when I can. And, uh, you know, when you love what you do, and this is the key, no matter what I've done and what people should do is try to live their life enjoying. I mean, it's, I know it's not always possible, but if you try even at least have a, a, a hobby, you never know, maybe that hobby will turn into, you know, a, a, a vocation, a, a business. But if you enjoy what you do, then it doesn't, it's, you don't count the hours. You don't see, Hey, I'm, I logged in, you know, X amount that week. You just do what you love doing. And for me selling, sure. It's about sales and it's about the, and the, you know, we, we gauge ourselves with, with how much we make in, in, in sales. But for me, I like getting my cigar into as many people's hands. And when I get the positive feedback, nothing gives me as much of a charge. And I know that's true for any manufacturer. When they hear positive feedback, it says, you know, it keeps them going. Even when you're starting out for the for the, the, the newer brands, the smaller brands, when they get that positive feedback, one good positive feedback will erase 10 negative things that happened to them that day. They won't forget it and they'll just keep going forward. And that's what keeps you going. You know, if you have a passion for it and you truly are doing it for the right reasons, I think you'll, you'll last the ones that are strictly making it a financial look at the bottom line. It doesn't make, listen, I've had so many hills and valleys and I've had some, some very terrible things happen to me along the way financially, but you just pick up yourself and you keep going or you just, if you throw in the towel, then, then you're done. You know, and I remember, you know, in the early years, you know, in my business, my wife was like, do you still want to do this? I mean, for all the losses that we're in, are we ever going to recoup this? And I'm like, it's not even about that. I'm just still doing it. You know, as long as I can, you know, as long as I can put food on the table, you know, the, the kids are going to school, you know, the bills are being paid and, and I'm living, I'm enjoying life. Then it doesn't really matter about what you make at the end of the day. And I always believe no matter what you do, if you do what you love to do, the money will follow. Just be the best at what you can be. And just then, you know, here I'm going on a, uh, an infomercial no, myself I, you're, over you're, here. You're not wrong. I mean, no. I think guys like you, guys like Jeremy Castagli, and a ton of guys in the industry that I've met over the years that have a real passion, uh, you know, for these, these dead leaves, that we, that we roll up and we smoke, they have this passion for tobacco. They have this passion for cigars. They're who make the industry. You guys are the ones who make the industry. And so it's, it's, it's nice to hear you say, you know, look, we can take, we, you know, you, we go through hard times. We go through the valleys. You just pick yourself up, dust yourself off, push forward. Cause that's what you have to do. And if you, 
if you love what you do, then you're going to have to do that every once in a while. And, and every once a year, I have to do that. Once a year, Tim has to look at me and say, dust yourself off, shut the fuck up, and let's just move forward. Like, I'm tired of hearing you bitch about it. Let's it's just more go. than once a year. It's once it's, a year. Shut the fuck up. It's more than once a year. You, you'll appreciate this, Nick. Uh, I was at work yesterday, and uh, I was talking to some of my coworkers, and all of a sudden, my phone rang. And I look, and I'm like, Nick Cirrus. Oh, hey, this is a big deal in the industry, guys. I'll be right back. And I stepped away. <laughs> answered the call and you're like hey uh something came up <laughs> so i was like all right well we'll deal with it but yeah so now so now you're the buzzword around the office hold on guys oh, hold on look at that. Get in. i'm gonna call from nick it's a big deal he's kind, yeah. of, he's kind of a big deal he's big deal big oh deal. god how how much they really don't know <laughs> you'll have that uh. So one of the things that I uh, heard when I was uh, listening back to the Castaglia episode was that New World cigars, if I heard right, New World cigars are becoming something that the Cubans on Cuba are looking for. They're no, buying up the no, market. No. So I heard that completely wrong. It's the European market. It's the world market is, is and Nick's talked about this ad nauseum. Uh, the world market, and we, like we, we've talked about this for what, two years now, Nick? That because Cuba has raised their prices, Abano Sese has raised their prices 300% in some cases, uh, that, and, and because the Asian market is really driving those prices and eating it up, like ravenously, picking up everything they can from everywhere when it comes to uh, Cuban cigars, that that has left a void in especially Europe, where it was always Cubans. That was always the most popular cigar. And I think we saw this a little bit last year at the PCA. Uh, and to his credit, uh, Charlie Minato talked about it, uh, you know, that there were a lot of European retailers there at the time. But Nick and I called this early last year that the the Europe, European market was going to be hurting for cigars. They're not going to be able to get Cuban cigars. It's not the, just Europe. It's in, in the quantity, the whole, world. the whole world. And the quantity right. that they've been used to getting, even though Habano S.A. is has raised production level. They still can't, they can't keep up with the demand. And because the Asian market's picking it all up everywhere else, they've got to switch to new world cigars. So you're, you're going to see brands like Tatawahe and you know, like the brands like Cohiba are called something different in, in Europe. I don't even remember what they're called, but all of these legacy brands here in the U S that are in a trademark uh, fight with uh, the Cuban brands, which they'll end up losing. Uh, they're all called something different uh, overseas. Like you're going to see more of them. And, you know, being based in Estonia has really been kind of a godsend for Castelli because he's in a lot of shops in Europe. And I know you said that you were, you were moving to uh, a, into a lot of shops, even like you just opened in South Africa, you, you were in yeah. shops in South Africa. Yeah. So his distributions all over the place too. Like I, I think he, when he was getting done with, uh, he was going to St. Louis after the trip to Chicago, and then he was off to Belgium. Uh, and then he he had done the uh, the cut and light in Estonia, and then went to Belgium. So, like he's like the guy is like the international man of mystery. Like he really is. He's the most interesting man in the world. Like that Dozaki's guy. He's that guy because he just travels all over the place. He flew in uh, for that Chicago event from Sao Paulo, Brazil, where he was doing an event. So. These new world companies and Nick, I think, has, has got a leg up on a lot of the competition here in the U.S. because Nick's been doing this for years in a lot of European shops, does very well overseas because his cigars are more Cubanesque than most new world cigars. And I think some of Castagli's line is very Cubanesque, not not to the point Nick's is. I think Nick's is more Cubanesque, but I think that, for example, the Cottontail, that box right there. Uh, the Cottontail is one of my favorite cigars, and that is a very Cuban-esque cigar. It's in the Flying Pig Vitola, which you can't call it a Flying Pig here. Thanks, Jonathan Drew. Um, but it, it's uh, it's in that that old-school Cuban Cottontail or uh, uh, Flying Pig Vitola. And that, pardon the pun, flies in Europe. Like those old-school Cuban where people are like, they, 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 uh, associate that Vitola, that size with Cuban cigars, that, that flies. Custom, custom Cuban cigars. The 
the the flying pig size is one of the the was one of the most coveted Cuban sizes, you know, that were made in the custom, you know, and and Jeremy played in that arena as well with his bespoke. Um, yeah, there's uh, you talking about the Cuban brands and the and the Cuban cigars. Thankfully, it kind of worked in our favor in, in the sense that when Obama opened up Cuba, that's what got people's minds open as well outside of the U.S. Prior, I've talked about this. I'm sure we we, we discussed this on a thing, but I'll mention it here quickly. Um, with New World cigars, even the term New World cigars, I, I I talk about the progression. If something wasn't Cuban, it was deemed fake. So it was like, oh, you have a Cuban cigar? Oh, that's oh, that's fake. Well, no, it's not. It's not fake. It's a real cigar. Well, okay. Then they tried to be not as mean, and then they'll call it Dominican. They'd say, oh, you have a Dominican cigar. No, this is actually Nicaraguan. Or the, No, no, it's Dominican. So anything that wasn't Cuban was immediately labeled a Dominican. Finally, the term New World came out, and it was the only real positive term that was used to describe anything that wasn't non-Cuban. And so people all of a sudden were start, oh, okay. All right, we kind of get that. And because when Obama opened up somewhat Cuba uh, access wise to Americans being able to visit there uh, for non-touristic reasons, people in every cigar shop in the United States immediately thought that means Cuban cigars were going to come into the market, flood the U.S. market. And that's what the rest of the world thought. So everybody started panicking. We're talking about 2016-ish, where the rest of the world started panicking. They said, oh, my God, if they start selling cigars to the U.S. market, we'll never see another cigar. So they almost foretold the future, but had nothing to do with the United States. So they started putting in motion the wheels to try to experiment and, and try non-Cuban brands where before it wasn't even a thought they wouldn't think about it. It was such a small percentage of the market and they just didn't want to deal with it because the consumer didn't want to deal with it either. Now the consumer was more open to it because of the price point now more than ever. So it's like, okay, listen, I'm not going to start spending three times what I spent. I have to try some of these other things. And of course it's going to be initially a very big difference, but um, when you do start getting your like like you you try different wines from different regions or anything like that, once you get past the okay, it's different. You know, it's not going to you know, don't expect it to be Cuban. It can still be very good, and it could maybe be something even better for you. What your palate likes better. So it's all about the individual person. If you're raised and you've been smoking Cuban cigars for 10, 15 years. I don't expect those people to immediately switch over to a strong Nicaraguan cigar and think that it's a good cigar. But if they transition and progress and say, well, let me try this and move on and your palate changes, I would say um, about myself and anybody that's in the cigar world, whether it's just as a smoker, uh, as a shop on any, any form of the industry, or just as a straight connoisseur of cigars, it's a journey from the first cigar you smoke to the last one you do before you're in the ground. And that journey never stops. There's no destination. It continues and you're just on that road and it winds and it goes and your palate changes and your mindset changes and you mature and everything else that goes around in your life goes around that cigar. So it changes. So people that only smoke Macanudos when they first started, now they're smoking every boutique that's out there. So it's a journey and I think Everybody that's in the cigar world in whatever way, the, the people that are listening to this podcast right now, think of your cigars as a journey for your of life. And it's just something as a companion, your cigar is a companion for your journey in life. So enjoy the journey of life. Try to enjoy every day because tomorrow's never promised. And enjoy cigar when you're doing that. Well said. Well said, sir. <laughs> Right. That's exactly what I was going to say. Uh, it, oh. it basically, you said very elegantly, you have to train your palate. And be open. Yeah. Because a lot of people, if you close that off and you're only looking for that one note, as you like to say, you know, that one thing, um, you know, you're, you're missing out, you know, yeah. just you got to open that palate. You got to open your mind and explore and, and take it all in. Yeah, you have to be open to try a new thing. There, you know, we've talked about this too ad nauseum, but there are so many 
cigars out there. And if it comes to market, there's obviously a, uh, an audience for it. I think in most cases, not all, but in most, there's an audience for that cigar. But just because that cigar wasn't made specifically for your palate, doesn't mean you shouldn't try it. You should try it. You got to burn to learn. That was the first thing I learned when I got into cigars and I started talking to guys. I'm like, well, how do you know what I, you know, what you like? And they're like, you got to burn to learn. So if you're not trying new cigars, lighting them up and smoking them, look, if you don't like it, you don't like it, set it down and smoke something else, smoke something you like. But you know what? If you're not open to it, you're never going to find anything new and you're going to be smoking that whatever stick it is that you really enjoy, you're going to be, that'll be the cigar you die with. And that's, to be honest, kind of sad. It's like those people, like all these uh, uh, Generation Z folks who can't eat anything but chicken nuggets or pizza or whatever. Yeah, there are these folks now that that's all they can eat and anything else makes them gag. Like they cannot try new food. That's that if you're just smoking that whatever cigar that you started smoking in 1997, or 2005 or 2010 or 2020 and you're sticking with that one cigar how sad is that there are michelin star restaurants so to speak in the cigar industry that you're missing out on and there are boutique cooks that are making some great meals that you're missing out on you've got to burn to learn so put down whatever cigar it is you're smoking that's the only one you this is it uh the only one i like Uh uh-uh uh-uh bullshit i call bullshit because you can only, if you're eating peanut butter and jelly every day, you have no idea what that filet mignon tastes like. And vice versa. If you're just eating filet mignon all day, like good for you. I'm glad you can afford it. But guess what? There are some great like boutique, like, you know, decomposed, de, what do they call them? De, uh, deconstructed peanut butter and jellies out there that are fantastic. You got to meet those people all the time, James, everywhere. There are people that will never change. And I tell them, don't be scared to try something. You can always go back to your cigar. It's not going to go away. It's not going to get mad that you're cheating on it. You, you're going to be okay. You know, you can always go back to your love. If that's all you want, you can always do that. You know, when you hear stories like George Burns that only smoked one cigar and it was the most inexpensive, uh, inexpensive, the, the El Producto, and it was like the cheapest cigar he could find. And you could have given him at the time, I think a $10 cigar would have been hard to a, a, a stretch, but he wouldn't want it. And he would mm. refuse to even smoke it. And, I, you know, I go, that's sad because you just don't know if you would like that. You know, maybe he didn't want to like it, but the point of it is you should try and you can always go back to your trusty, you know, cigar, the one you like. And, and that's like going home and you can always keep that in your rotation. What's great about cigars is you don't have to smoke one cigar. I always tell people, you know, do you want people to only smoke LH cigars? I go, absolutely not. No, I would be honored if I could be in their rotation, whether it's once a week, whether it's once a month, whether it's once a year, as long as they consider it, I'm happy. You know, there, there's too many cigars out there. There's 5 million different cigars out there. And I think you should try every one of them. And there's a lot of good stuff out there and you never know. And this is my big line. You never know what your next favorite cigar is going to be. It's probably the one you haven't even tried yet. So keep trying cigars out there at all price points. You can have that hundred dollar cigar, maybe not every day, but just to say, hey, I smoked it, try to have an open, you know, like, oh, my God, I loved it. And I'm not going to be smoking very many of those. But at least, you know, you liked it, you know, and smoke, you know, the sub, uh, you know, I don't think there's very many cigars now that are under $10 that are, you know, I'd like to say not worth much. But <laughs> if if you, that's what you like, great. Keep smoking those. There's always deals out there. You know, there's a lot yeah. of these uh, online places that are selling stuff that normally should be at uh, you know the, the 10 12 15 dollar price point you can find those you know in these bargain bin things for six dollars and eight dollars and if that's what you like buy them up put them in your humidor smoke them with everything else but keep trying new cigars yeah I, look i did that to tim i made tim go from his c-bid specials to smoking lh and castagli and his wallet <laughs> hates me and my wife and my and, wife well you know yeah. that's fine yeah, but that's that's true. I mean, uh, you know, I before we got together and started doing this consistently, you know, I was on off on off as far as my cigar smoking, and then we got together, and I'm like, you how many cigars stop do you saying have? That we got together. You got to stop saying that. Well, I'm going to, uh, but 
here, here's my thing is like, I was like, how many cigars do you have? And, uh, you give me a number. I'm like, Oh, uh, crap. So yeah, that's what I did. I went online. I was just buying stuff up because I was just trying to compete with what I thought was acceptable. Now here I am buying oh, what good I, cigars. What I do is not acceptable, Tim. Under no, any circumstances, well, nobody should ever do what I do ever. You're, you're not wrong. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. You're not wrong, but you've introduced me to a lot of great cigars. And now four years later, I love trying new things. You know, there was a few times where we got together and you're like, Oh, have you tried this? I'm like, eh, no, that, how much is that? $10? I just don't, oh, hell I, no. I, just, I just don't tell you. I yeah, don't tell you what they exactly cost what anymore. You started doing. Yeah. You were yeah. like, yeah, just try it. Just try it. And then all of a sudden I'm like, holy sh shit, this is good. How much was it? Like 20 bucks. <laughs> yeah. You're like, God like, damn it. Oh, oh, yeah, exactly. I don't smoke $20 cigars. Oh, yeah, I do now, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, gents, we're getting to be, or getting hey, before, to about that be time. Before we get out of here, let's do a mail call because we don't do mail calls enough. Around oh, here. you got, we got some mail. We do. We got some mail. We got, we got one right, from, let's uh, do it. from Catman. Now, those of you out there who are familiar with Catman, like, I don't have to say who that is. For those of you who don't know, uh, he is uh, one of the more uh, prolific reviewers in the industry uh and, and i don't always agree with his reviews but his content's always always uh entertaining it's always uh uh fun read so go check him out uh but he sent us an email saying uh hey uh, i've been re uh, reviewing emails or reviewing uh cigars for 13 years since i was 60 so that gives you an idea of uh his age there do a little simple math uh, and you are bar none the best site i've read I believe that your honesty and grit is impressive and inspiring. Awe-inspiring is what he says. Uh, I can't stand the major cigar industry sites that fall in line with their cigar industry relationships. You've probably skewed me, but that's okay with me. Keep on keeping on, gentlemen. So uh, kind words nice. uh, from Philip uh, Catman Cone there. Uh, we appreciate it, Catman. Uh, I always I always love uh, reading his reviews. I don't always agree with them. Like he gives hundreds. I don't think there's such a thing as the perfect cigar. Because if you give something a hundred, if it's something is a perfect score, what happens if you smoke a cigar that you think is objectively better than that cigar you gave a hundred? Because you don't know what you don't know. Hundred and one. Yeah, see that skews the, <laughs> yeah. skews the scale for yeah. me. I don't, I don't know if I like uh, that. <laughs> this the scale now goes all the way up to two hundred. Two hundred. It's two hundred now. We we changed it. We changed it. That's it. That's a very nice words from Catman. Thank you very much. Appreciated, sir. Well, thank you. You gonna get us out of here now that you rambled on? I didn't. I I didn't. I didn't realize it was. Yeah, show. I do it to you every episode. Uh, every every episode. I'm still every never episode. prepared for. It. Uh, thanks for uh, uh, checking us out, guys. Thanks for listening. Rate, uh, uh, review, give us some stars. Uh, go subscribe on YouTube if you haven't already, or on Rumble. We would greatly appreciate it as we're trying to grow both of those channels. And that's where you're going to find a lot of the PCA content. It'll also be at simplystogies.com. Check out the latest and greatest reviews there. Uh, uh, that's uh, Tim, who's the host. Uh, Nick, thanks for uh, joining us today. Appreciate it, brother. Yeah, anytime. Uh, and, and until next time, folks, stay smoky, friends. Stay smoky, friends.